Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrantz and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Thanks and enjoy the show. Okay, everyone, this is Peter Mingles. We are here on the Dash Radio. My co-host, Dawn Wright DeBrance, is not going to be here as she is in her RV, probably traveling up to Wakarusa, whatever that is. It's some kind of a music festival where she does a whole bunch of cool stuff and makes memories with her family. So she will not be on tonight. And just a little bit of house cleaning. No one's going to be here tomorrow because she's going to be in Wakarusa and I am going to be attending my daughter's high school graduation. So for all those people who look forward to seeing us on Thursday, we won't be here. So we're going to get started with a really special guest speaker. Her name is Rini Jane, and she's got some really great programs. And I've just started speaking with her, so I'm just as interested in you guys as far as the stuff that she has that can make a difference in their Dash. Now, Rini, just for you, hold on one second, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of backdrop. The reason why we call it the Dash Radio is when we were looking to do something to make a difference, we figured that if enough people are doing things that can make a difference, we can make a difference in the world collectively. We were looking for a theme, and that theme for me was the Dash, and people start off with a date of birth, and then they got the date of whatever they're done, and then everything in between that represents their dash. And there's a whole bunch of people who that little teeny-weeny dash doesn't really represent their full life story, and we figured there would be a great mechanism and a great method through our dash radio show for us to reach out to a whole bunch of people that are making a very big difference. You focus on a lot of things to do with psychology and children, and I can't think of a better way of having a bigger impact than helping the lives of children because in my estimation, I think it's harder to be a kid than ever before. So thanks for being on our show. Peter, thank you so much for having me. And I'm still trying to figure out where Wakarusa is. Um, I've never Somewhere in a very before. far remote, hippie-ish <laughs> kind of Woodstock kind of a thing where they do, I'm sure there's lots of mud and lots of music and lots of people that just do good old American, like, hippie diva kind of stuff because that's what Dawn likes to do. And her uh. family is, her family is, like, the funnest, I know that's not a good word for all those kids listening, they are the funnest family you've ever hung out with. You cannot hang out with them and not have an overall blast. They are dynamic, they are wonderful, they're geniuses in all their respective places, and they are so fun. So I love world, that. You would love, I'm telling you. I, if I could be anywhere, it would be in Wakarusa in right Wakarusa with, with Dawn and her family. But I, since, in the mud since my, and music. With all mud right. and music. You could just imagine. It's just, kind of, it's just kind of something else. She's a dynamic individual. So she would be all over this conversation, but she's in the middle of traveling. So That's okay. Kinda, we'll channel her spirit. That's, that's fine. That's right. We're kind of stuck with me. So we, 
we've followed, mean, meaning me and you, we've kind of lived and visited, I suppose, in similar places. I always like to find out about the person who's going to be doing our show. So give us, you know, a few minute commercials about Rini. Oh, about Rini. Okay, absolutely. So I, um, you know, I'm the daughter of Indian immigrant parents uh, who came to this country with the big sort of, you know, American dream. So my dad, I have, I don't know how many times I've heard the story. I came to this country with $8 in my pocket and every day I used to have to decide whether to take the bus to work or buy a cup of tea. You know, those were my choices. And I could only do one or the other. I couldn't do both. And so um, that, you know, their experience as immigrants um, and their sort of struggle and um, and dream here really influenced my life um, in that growing up, you know, I was very focused on what they were focused on was getting having a better life here and having a good education. And so my parents were really, really, really focused on academics. Um, like that's probably not a unusual story, you know, to hear from an Indian kid. Um, but that that was my story. So my parents were always like, listen, you got to focus on studying. You got to study. You got to study. I remember growing up and always having extra math homework that my dad would create and extra, you know, science homework. And then after studying, it's like get into a good college, get into a good college, you know, get a good job get a good job, get married. They had a whole, there was a whole plan. So um, so I followed this plan, you know, I went along uh, following the plan and hoping that at the end of the plan, I would reach my little pot of gold, which is happiness. Um, and so I'm going along, going along, doing all these things. I, I did well in school. I got into a good college. I um, found someone, you know, nice to marry. He was great on paper. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was going to do the whole 2.2 kids thing, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, I I had an epiphany one day. Uh, I was about 23. No, I was 24. And I realized, you know what? Um, I don't like uh, the job that I'm in. Uh, I don't uh, <laughs> like the career that I chose. I don't like the person that I'm married to um, because I I really am Oh, doing that's where the on-paper thing came from. That's where uh, the on-paper really paper thing came from, yeah. <laughs> so I was doing all these things, but I wasn't doing them for me because I, there wasn't really a me, you know. There was this whole map that I was following. Um, and don't get me wrong, my parents were really, really, and are really, really lovely, supporting, loving people. Not a people. bad game plan. Yeah, in theory. Yeah, no, I got plan. the game plan. I'm like, okay, this game plan rocks. But I realized that, you know, it wasn't bringing me joy. Um, and so I decided to change my life. Um, got rid of the career. Um, got, you know, I don't want to say got rid of the husband because that sounds right. horrible. Um, right. But, yeah, um, I decided to be in a relationship with myself instead um, and 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 started to move on from there. And, and really, I think it was that was a turning point in my life when I realized I'm going to do things for me. Um, I'm going to figure out what who I am and what makes me happy, and I'm going to go from there. And so I feel like I was kind of born again at that point. Um, and so that's just a very little bit about myself. Um, I, I was working in technology at the time, and I decided that my passion was really psychology, uh, working both with adults and kids. And so, you know, for the last, I'm not going to age myself, for the last decade plus, uh, that's what I've been doing. Very nice. Well, this is great. For those people that want to kind of walk around with us as far as Rini's site, you can find her site by her name. And I have to spell it for you because spelling counts when it comes to websites. If you go to R E N E E 
J-A-I-N.com. You can kind of walk around and see what she looks like and see some of the animation of some of the things we're going to be talking about. So it's ReenieJane.com, and it's R-E-N-E-E-J-A-I-N.com. All right, so that tells us a little bit about you and the great background, it sounds, from a very loving family whose parents told you about the real stories of what sacrifice like really meant a long time ago. And we are so spoiled today because many of us don't have to do those same things that your parents so courageously did. But they found the promised land, and they're working their tails off, and they're doing well and all that sort of stuff, and now here you are. So how did you get started? You said you went from technology to mm-hmm. philosophy? How did to that psychology. To psychology, <laughs> rather. So how yeah. did that happen? Like, where was the te- where's your technical skills? Right, so technology. So I actually owned a small technology business. It was a hardware business with um, my brother. So it was my brother and myself, and we had a staff, you know. And what I realized, and Peter, I'm sure what you realize um, in any field, is that there's a lot of psychology involved in anything that you do. So my interest in our business wasn't so much you know, how we're going to buy these computers and rent them out, which is what we were doing. It was more in the people that worked with us, I was really interested in why some people love to come to work and other people would hide under their desk or call in sick or, you know, have any excuse whatsoever for not having to do their job. And I, you know, the question in my mind was, well, what makes one person more motivated than another? And um, in another question that really became, you know, I don't know, interesting to me and fascinating was, when two people face the same challenge, you know, I saw a lot of people at work facing challenges, I saw some that were really strong and able to overcome their challenges and other people really go into these downward spirals of negativity. And I wondered to myself, when we have a similar background to someone, you know, same sort of socioeconomic bracket, kind of doing the same thing, why does one person face a challenge, another person faces the same challenge, and one overcomes it and the other one doesn't? So really it became not about the business that we were running, but it became about the psychology of people. Um, and so I started working as a life coach um, I, you know, while I was doing this technology thing. And, and then I decided, you know, this is really my path. I want to help people find their purpose and their meaning and figure out how they get into a place in their life where they want to do what they're doing. They don't have to hide under their desk anymore. Um, and so I, I, we sold the business. I went back to school. I got a, a master's in positive psychology. Um, and while I was going through that process, I realized, you know what? I want to work with kids. Um, yeah. And so, and and so here I am. I want to, I want to get to the kids part, but I also sure. want to get to that whole positive psychology stuff. So what, you know, there's, okay. there's psych, there's positive psychology and there's positive thinking. I got to share with yeah. you. I don't, you know, we focus on a lot of people that do home-based businesses, and a lot of people do network marketing. And what I'm going to say next is probably going to come off a little bit negative for some people that might be listening in, but just because someone has a microphone and a big check, they all of a sudden think they got the degree that you earned, if you know what I mean. Like, they are now able to give people wonderful advice, and unfortunately, if malpractice was possible, they would all be locked up. I mean, they would all be locked up. (laughs) The stuff that I hear sometimes coming from people, I really wonder where they get this stuff from. Like, they're trying to practice a discipline without a license, if you know what I mean. Um, So, where does this whole 
you know, positive psychology versus maybe positive thinking come from? Or we're we're going to have to take a break somewhere in the middle of your little presentation. But That's okay. Start off. Start yeah, I think us it's such a that. great question. It's such a great question because um, so here's here is the distinct difference. Positive psychology is based in science, so it is exactly the same as traditional psychology in terms of the scientific rigor that's applied to the work that we do. So positive thinking and um, practitioners or, you know, maybe self-help gurus that say, listen, think positively um, or, or do this exercise, they might not be giving you advice that's based in research. Um, positive psychology is actually research-based. And so the same psychologists that were studying depression for for three decades said, okay, we need to we need to stop for a second because all we've been doing is really looking at the negative things and the negative side of life, you know, sadness, anxiety, obsession, um, post-traumatic stress, and all of this disease and disorder, and we've been studying it scientifically. But what if we stopped and studied hope, optimism, well-being with the same scientific principles? And so that is how positive psychology was born. So real real practices with real research behind it as opposed to someone from the front of the stage that says whatever sounds good to them or anybody else. So maybe something that was regurgitated 87 times from somebody named Zig Ziglar. You know? so, okay. Right, right, exactly. So, so for example, someone yes. might well, hold, say... Hold that, hold, hold that yep, thought. I'm holding, right it, I'm holding it. I'm holding it. We're going to keep these guys on the example hook for just a second, so I'm going to play a little record. We'll be right back. Do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level? For email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now... Back to the show. Okay, this is Peter Mingles running solo with Reenie Jane, ReenieJane.com. If you go to www. I go slow this week so I can grab a pen. So www. ReenieRenieJane.com, ReenieJane.com, you'll be able to see some of the projects that she's been working on, contact information, cool stuff, plus some animation. And we left you guys hanging on the other end of the show when we were talking about some specific examples of positive psychology versus positive thinking. So you were going to give us an example. Go for it now. 
Okay, so here's the example. Here's the difference between positive psychology and positive thinking. A positive thinking guru might say to you, listen, um, be grateful, you know, practice gratitude every day. A positive psychology practitioner is going to say to you, listen, I want you to write down three things that you're grateful for every day for six weeks because the studies show that if you do this for six weeks, um, for about a six-month period of time, you will be happier, you'll feel less anxious, and you'll feel less depressed, and here are the ten studies to back it up. You know, So they're giving you, again, real concrete things to do, pathways to feel happier, to feel less negative, to feel less anxious, and it's based in research. So, so the real research? simple, yeah, the real simple thing is it's based in research. Yeah. So, so the research would be is they actually followed, I guess, a group of people that were just kind of thinking it, or saying they were thinking it, and then those people that actually were doing it, and they were able to measure the results. At whatever scale, they're probably saying, "Okay, great. That sounds wonderful." Okay. So that's the positive psychology stuff. Do you have any other examples you want to use for us? Because remember, we are in a lot of home-based businesses, and a lot of home-based businesses have what I say false prophets. There are people out there that are the experts that sometimes going around spewing out a whole bunch of stuff that quite honestly I look at and sometimes I cringe, and then I realize sometimes the stuff said on the phone or from the webinar or from the microphone or from stage could either be just goofy or sometimes flat out dangerous. So any other examples you want to use for us? Sure. Um, So, you know, one of the studies that has become really important is a a study about, or studies about control and what you have control of in your life. Now, some of these things, when you hear them, they're going to sound extremely intuitive. You know, you're like, okay, yeah, that's that's not that exciting because you didn't drop a bomb on that one, right? Um, But Everyone has to remember that there have been, you know, tens of thousands of dollars spent on researching whether these kind of things actually work for people. So the thing about control is that control in your life, what you have control over and what you perceive to have control over in your life really affects your happiness. So an exercise that you can do is to take a piece of paper and draw a circle on the paper. And within that circle put down all of the things in your life which you have control over. And then outside of the circle, put down all the things in your life which you may not have control over. You know, so within the circle it might be the friends that I choose, the thoughts that I have, you know, the business that I want to start. Um and outside of the circle might be the weather, you know, um my mother-in-law. <laughs> Sorry, I hope my mother-in-law is not listening. I'm staying with her right now. <laughs> um, but all, all the other things that you can't control, you put them outside the circle. Uh, and the key is is that you, you really want to do this exercise thoughtfully because the goal is that you focus on the things within your circle. You focus on affecting change on those things because – your perception of what you can change and what you can actually change is directly correlated to your well-being. Nice. So that's an, an example of an exercise. Is there a diff- When you say an example of an exercise, are these mm-hmm. mental exercises or stuff that really need to be committed to pen and paper? So yeah, right. So you can you can do either. Right. Um, I would say that pen and paper makes things more concrete. Um, it 
it gives you sort of added motivation, you know, to and 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 it's easier to sort of um, brainstorm your ideas. Um, but every study is different, you know. So, for example, the gratitude exercise that I was talking about earlier, in that particular study that I was referencing, they did write the what I'm grateful for, three things that you're grateful for. They did write it down each night, you know, in a diary or a journal. Um, and so if you want to go by the letter, you know, of how people are doing it, you can write it down. But I always highly recommend writing things down. But you can do a mental exercise as well. Absolutely. Why not? You know, I've been – I've kind of – done my own street study, if you will, on all the salespeople that I've trained and all the people that I've always coached, and I can tell you conclusively, based on my very informal, not funded by any government study, that when we commit it to paper, it becomes so much more real. Um, Mm -hmm. We have this little exercise we call the 20 Creative Possible Solutions Method. You take whatever it is that's a challenge and you write it down. So I'm having a problem closing sales, say. And then you put in the form of a question, how would I close more sales? And then you list 20 creative possible solutions. And I have been educating my sales force over the phone on how to do all that sort of stuff. And like you said, it's kind of intuitive. You kind of like nod your head so like there's no bomb going off. Like that's the big deal. And then nobody ever does it until it's on paper. And when mm-hmm. I used to run a sales force where I was in front of them, where I could affectionately sit on the top of them and make sure that they actually did it like it was an exercise, those people grew out of proportion, had results out of proportion, were happier, were more in control, coming back to control than ever before. And those people that didn't, there was like, you know, you might as well just stop, you know, polluting the environment with the wasted carbon monoxide. I mean, the <laughs> reality, it was just like a waste of time. So it's I amazing, found- though. It's amazing, right? Even though you're oh. saying it's such a simple exercise and it could be intuitive. See, that's the thing. Sometimes people think, well, it's not anything I don't know. Well, you know, a lot of things we do know people don't do. Like we know that going to the gym and exercising is good for you, um, right. but it doesn't necessarily mean that we do it. So these are things that we kind of need to be reminded of, and I think you're absolutely right, Peter, when you say that when you write it down, it makes it real. And it it actually, I I believe, you know, and this is, again, not based on any theory, not based on any research, but I believe that it starts a flow, um, like a brainstorming flow. It's kind of like when you start brainstorming on a whiteboard, for example, and more ideas start coming, it kind of opens up this creativity faucet in your brain, and and the flow starts coming out. So Absolutely. I got so frustrated just recently that I said, you know, because I used to buy black composition notebooks for all of my salespeople, and, like, I always found them at the dollar store, and if there was ever, like, two for a dollar, I'd be buying black composition like notebooks like crazy. And I'd make sure they had them, and they put their name on them and all that sort of stuff, and when I did it with someone, they sometimes thought I was mean, and they sometimes thought, like, why are you doing this? And they sometimes said, boy, this guy's, like, OCD on this stuff. <laughs> but when they started using it, it made such a big difference. And then some of them got hooked on it like addicts. Like you can go all over the place and you say, oh, you must be trained by Peter because you got a black composition notebook. And <laughs> Radical, Radical was somebody that bought the purple black composition notebook. <laughs> so we still called it a black composition notebook, even though the cover was purple. But what, what a difference. So I love that whole term of the positive psychology as opposed to sometimes the sounds good stuff that we hear sometimes. Now, one of the things I really want to focus on and when we talk about control and change in the world and things like that, you started working with children. So I want to talk about your SEL program and how that got started, because that's a little bit of a jump. We went from, like, computers and selling stuff to trying to figure out how people work, and then all of a sudden now there's this whole 
go strength thing. So walk yeah, into that. Yeah, how did it all happen? Okay, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, so, so I told you I was working in technology, and then I started life coaching just because of my interest in um, adults and their psychology and helping them. You know, I wanted to help people. Um, and as I was going uh, through uh, my master's program, essentially, I – I had another epiphany, which I think a lot of us do, you know, in our life, and sort of these pivotal moments. Um, and I was, what I was doing is I was researching, and I was researching depression, actually. You know, I mean, this was, um, it's kind of one of my pet things, because when, in my 20s, when I told you, when I had that turning point where, I, you know, I let go of the business, and I let go of this, and I let go of that, I actually had a period, a two-year period, where I'm self-diagnosing that I was clinically depressed. Okay. Um, so it became of, of real interest to me, you know, why do people get, become depressed and how do you make them happier? Um, so in any case, so in in my interest in this, I realized something uh, very interesting, and that's this. When you get depressed or anxious or something happens to you like this, a lot of times you'll go to therapy, okay? Um, and when you go to therapy, when you go to talk therapy, they teach you a set of cognitive and behavioral skills, you know, how to evaluate your thoughts, um, what to do when you behave like this, how to behave differently so you feel better. Okay, so it turns out that if you take those skills, you know, let's say that there's 10 core skills that they teach you in therapy, and they do a lot of obviously custom therapy, not everyone's life is different, but they have like 10 core skills. If you take those 10 core skills and you teach them to kids, before they need therapy, it can actually prevent depression and anxiety. It is possible to inoculate our children, essentially, and protect them, make them more resilient by teaching them these skills. So I came across research that made this apparent, and I was like, whoa. It was, uh, you know, it was an aha moment for me. Uh-huh. Like, we can, right. why are we waiting to react, you know, the sort of don't fix it until it's broken. Why are we waiting to do that? Why don't we just teach every kid in school these skills so that we won't have a problem? So, you know, I so I started talking about this to parents and to various people, and they were like, well, my kid's not depressed. You know, I don't really care. We're not going to spend money on that. And, I, you know, and then I started looking at the statistics, and it turns out that one in five kids, one in five kids in the U.S., will be will have a major episode of depression by the age of 18. Wow. That's a really big number. That's 20%. That's and really one in eight children have anxiety, um, some form of anxiety. And this stuff, I mean, obviously affects their academics and affects everything that they do in school, you know, and their home life. And so it, it really is a big problem. And of that massive number of children, very few of them get help. And so it turns out that it's it, it's a wonderful thing to teach social and emotional learning skills to kids who have, you know, quote-unquote issues. Um, it's an even more amazing thing to teach these SEL skills to every kid. And so that is, that's my passion, um, and that's how the Go Strengths program came about. So Go Strengths is essentially a social and emotional learning program for children, for all children. So it kind of makes sense that if we, you know, it's it's almost like if you have an exercise program, 
that you don't cut out gym, you know, like you keep kids in gym so they move around and all that sort of stuff so they never get overweight so they don't have to worry about Weight Watchers, even though no slam on Weight Watchers. But you know what I mean? It's kind of like handling the stuff before it ever happens. That is exactly the perfect analogy. That's the perfect analogy because before, you know, if you look back to the 60s and 70s, people didn't necessarily work out as prevention, right? They worked out like if they needed to work out. Um, But people exercise now before they become obese, before they have heart disease. People take vitamins and, you know, and even more direct analogies, people go to premarital counseling, right, before they get married. It's like, why are you going to counseling before you need counseling? Well, right. the point is, is that hopefully you'll never end up in counseling, and this is right. this is the same exact idea. It's and therapy the re- before therapy. Yeah, and yeah. the price, whatever you pay versus the rewards, is like one of those goofy questions. Like it costs next to nothing to fix it before it ever breaks. Once it's broken, it probably was broken for a long time. It's much harder to fix. All right, so we're gonna take one more break. I'll be right back. Are you in a rut about your taxes? No more with this simple template. Your business deserves the best, and so do you. Try our simple bookkeeping formula. You'll look organized, find your receipts, and you might even get a write-off. One thing is for sure, you'll thank us. Visit bit.ly forward slash the dash taxes. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash D-A-S-H taxes. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. Okay, we are back. This is Peter Mingles, and we are here with my special guest, Rini Jane. If you want to go to her website, go to www.reneejain.com. And we are starting to talk about her S-E-L, social, and what's the E? Emotional. Right, Mm -hmm. learning program that she's incorporating in different schools. She's got a program called Go Strength, and we're talking about kids. Now, as a parent, um, Rini, I just kind of mentioned that my daughter is graduating from high school, and she was the last. Like, she's my baby, so she's, like, gone. And as a parent, I can share with you, relative to the needs of herself and her friends, most people would call me clueless, like, to what was really going on in the schools. Like, I have no clue what it's like to be a teenager or a young kid today in school because when I grew up, we never had these same challenges. We had a, now I'm, I'm, I'm 51, so I'm like, you know, not that, that old, at least I continue to tell myself. But when I was a kid in school, we didn't have a lot of choices. We went out and we played football. We, we played in the street, you know, like, my mom says, get out of the house. What are you doing in here? I hung out with my friends on a street corner, you know, in our little quote-unquote gang before gangs were gangs. And we used to do a whole bunch of other things, and things were simple. We had communication skills. You know, we if we were going to fight, we either fought it out on the street or we fought it on the basketball court and stuff like that. And I'm guessing a lot of the gals probably did things the same. Being a kid today is tough. Like, it's tough. 
I wouldn't dare let my daughter just run around in the streets like we used to when we were kids. My All I knew is I had to be home for dinner when my dad got home, that kind of a thing. We had much more of a beaver cleaver kind of a life. Yeah. It's way it's way different today. It's like, absolutely I, different. It's absolutely different. You know, because as you're saying, Peter, the interaction was really human, you know, most of the times. And yeah. it was when you went out with your friends. I, I had the same sort of childhood, you know. We would go out in the morning, especially in the summer, and come back late at night or when we had to eat dinner. And, you know, um, if we had a problem with our friends, we'd sort of bring it up or duke it out or maybe, you know, we would disconnect some way. But now, you know, there's 18,000 different technologies um, in which people communicate and, uh, you know, uh, socializing and um, being aware of what's going on with yourself emotionally has become a lot more complex because the interaction is a lot more diverse and a lot more complex. You know, and so um, although these type of skills were relevant back then, they're just even more relevant nowadays. And, you know, you take a look at the stuff that my kids are dealing with, you know, even now. We had just recently a kid in her band class. His dad committed suicide. You have a whole, you know, literally. I mean, you have Mm -hmm. kids in car accidents. You have kids on drugs. You have birth Mm -hmm. control issues, STDs, all of these types of things. And it's all out there in the public. And Mm -hmm. people can be cruel when they're sitting behind their little, whatever they're pushing their fingers on or whatever they're doing online. It's a lot of challenges. So when I say I'm clueless, Mm -hmm. sometimes I refer, like, I look at, you know, I hang out with the the, the kids and her friends and stuff like that, and you find out these issues and that issues. And then that's compounded with whatever we're still going through, which is a recession. And there's issues out there and there's issues and there's issues. So in reference to the need for a program like you're developing, I'll tell you, we probably need your program in our schools more so now than we ever have. It's not an option. It's for survival purposes because parents are distracted. They're, you know, they're distracted with the stuff as far as what they have to do to make a living. There's so many stresses and strains all over the place that sometimes, you know, who has time for yeah. their kids? Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, Peter, probably in your experience, you know, I'm thinking back to your sales team. So I've worked in sales teams and with sales teams. And, um, you know, I'm just I'm relating it back to that because, you know, as adults, people deal with stress, have a lot of stress and deal with stress in different ways, right, just like kids absolutely. do. And it's interesting to see how sort of the same group of people with the same type of stresses deal with it in completely different ways, and it really comes down to the coping skills that they have. Um, And so we try to, you know, you see some adults that don't have proper coping skills, and it's really because they never learned it as a kid. Um, They never learned how to deal with a challenge properly, and so when a challenge comes their way at a workplace, uh, you know, they sometimes they fall apart. They can't deal with the stress, and we don't want our children to have to to have to endure that, right? They're under so much stress right now as kids. So really, the perfect thing to do is to teach them the coping skills super early. Um, This is the thing. A lot of times we throw our kids into the deep end and we say, well, you know, um, my kid's on the playground and he's kind of getting picked on or or maybe he's not the most popular kid, but he's going to have to cope with it and figure it out. That's life. That's how he will learn. And that's how he will learn to become an adult and cope with things when he gets older. And really, I, I think that that's not true. 
you know? Um, it's kind of like, it would be like throwing a kid, to me, into a calculus class who's never taken math before. These are skills. Coping is a skill. It's a skill that, yeah, sure, some people have a natural aptitude for math. Some people have a natural aptitude for coping. But most people have to learn it. And it's something right. that can be taught. And so um, that's really our goal, you know, to get out to schools and to, to one, teach kids how to cope with challenges. Because as you said, we're in a recession, you know, things aren't getting better. Um, the world is getting more complex. So it's not like we can try to control, right? We're talking about those things that are in our control. We can't control all the stresses, but we can try to control how we react to them. So we, one, want to teach them how to cope with stress, and we, two, and this sounds a little silly, want to teach them how to be happier because they're actually two different things. And um, I think that that kind of <laughs> takes people by surprise sometimes. Like, what do you mean? If they're not stressed, well, aren't they happy? Um, no, actually, it's not, you know... What the research really shows is that when you get rid of everything that's bad in your life, let's say that you made a list of the five things that you would love to get rid of, you know, um, when you get rid of all the stresses in your life, that can take you from a minus 10 to a zero. If you want to go from a zero to a plus 10, you really have to learn skills of well-being. And what that means is how to be engaged in your life, how to find fulfillment, how to find purpose, how to find meaning. And I think you'll probably agree, and I'm, I'm just guessing, so I'll ask you, Peter, that the, you know, the salespeople that you've seen that have been most successful have probably had a passion for the work that they do. You know, they've probably really loved it. They've probably had purpose and meaning behind it. And those are also skills that we can teach our kids. So that's the second set of skills that we teach kids. We teach them how to be resilient, and how to be happier. Excellent. You know, when we do the stuff that I do, because I was more, for instance, when I graduated from college, it was biology and chemistry as majors and minors and a little bit of French. And then I went into sales, and I had to learn a lot of things on my own. And I picked up all the books and all the tape series and all that sort of stuff, and I was really like a... I was really like a tape monster. I would listen to the audio cassettes all the time. And then I would challenge those things that I learned and apply them in the field. And then if it worked, great. If it needed to be modified, fantastic. And I was always a field manager, so I always worked with my people. And very much like you, when you first started, you wanted to learn how people work. So I worked on me first me being my own guinea pig, you know, the things that I said to myself and the things that I would teach other people. And then I would always watch, you know, why does Nick do this? Why does Tony do this? Why does Mary Francis do this over here? And you could see on how people manage things. And when you're a sales manager, a little bit like a quarterback, where you say, okay, this guy's a big fat guy, he should be up front, you know, or if we need somebody like to go over the line in the huddle, you know, get that extra foot, we're going to put like the refrigerator, if you remember him from the Chicago Bears. Fridge is going over the top. So you learn how to use your players. And I definitely knew who could handle the stress and who couldn't. And some of that stuff was cultural, too, because you grew up in the Chicago area, and depending on where you were in Chicago or around that Illinois area, you had some people in Midwest attitude, which is real nice. And then when you go to New York, I mean, they'll, like, step on you. I mean, they really don't care. They're just about as ruthless as it gets. You can beat up a New Yorker, but you can't beat up a guy from Chicago because the guy from Chicago folds down as opposed to the New Yorker who stabs you and then beats the heck out of you. You know, and, and it, <laughs> it's just a different world. So you got to kind of, like, learn how you work with people. And, and that's tough. And if kids don't have those coping and learning and survival skills early on, they really are sent out to the world absolutely positively 
unready to do anything like this. So talk to us about, you know, I, I know the importance of it, but mm-hmm. also, I mean, you got a big, for, now I'm speaking to you personally now, you got a big battle. Try to incorporate some stuff in some schools that are kind of stuck in their way with people that don't necessarily think the same way you do because they're not very sharp or maybe they're afraid or maybe they're afraid to make a mistake or there's budget restraints and all that sort of stuff. How in the world are you getting this wonderful, necessary program actually taken a look at and implemented in different schools? So share with us some of the challenges and some of the successes. Yeah, schools are, well, no, Peter, schools are so open and they have so much money and they're so, yeah, no, they're none of those Yeah, they're really <laughs> yeah a yeah. lot of times they're like, they look at you like you're you're completely insane. Like, I don't have time to teach devil. math, you know, how am I going right. to teach emotional skills? So right. here's the thing. Um, fortunately, SEL is starting to gain some traction and the reason is um, because some uh, big organizations have done some great studies, and here's what the studies show. The main thing that parents want to know, a child who takes a social and emotional learning class will do about 10 to 11% better academically, so on standardized testing, than a child that doesn't take an SEL class. So essentially, social and emotional learning skills go hand in hand with academics. And it's, again, coming back to it being intuitive, it's really pretty intuitive um, that that would be the case because if you imagine a day where you've had, let's say, emotional turmoil with your spouse, you know, and you had to go to work and you actually had to do a, a big project or a big presentation, it's hard to do it, right, because you're, you're emotionally sort of distracted. The same thing happens for kids. If they have a lot of stuff going on, they're really stressed because of all of the different facets of their life, it is hard for them to be attentive in class. It's hard for them to study. So if we arm them with coping skills, with resilient skills, it becomes easier. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm putting it sort of simply because it really is that simple. And so the way that we're getting into schools is we're showing them, we're saying, listen, integrate this into your curriculum. It's 20 minutes a week, you know, for 10 weeks. It's 10 modules. It's 20 minutes a week, and we will show you that these kids will do better in school. And and that's something that schools will listen to because they, you know, for the last you know, three judged. decades. Yeah, it's how they're judged. And for the last three decades, they've been trying so many other things, longer classes, longer hours. You know, let's let's make the school year instead of 180 days, let's make it 220 days, whatever. They have all sorts of different things that they've been trying to do. So once you come and say, listen, I've, I promise you, roll this out in your school, and in a year you're, you're going to see improved grades. Otherwise, you know, I've, I won't charge you. That's basically right. it. Wow. And so we're getting, um, yeah, we're getting some traction that way. And that is so big. You know, if we take a look at the way the schools work, I don't know how it works for the rest of the country, but I know down here in Florida there is so much pressure. It's kind of like everything else you do doesn't count unless they have high test scores. Like everything, like everything is about the test scores. There was even recently a whole big debacle of, I forget where it was, and I'm almost positive it was here in Florida, where the schools rigged the teachers and the test results. I mean, they were like a scheme to make sure their test results weren't real. They were inflated, and only because people, the teachers were getting bonuses and the principals were getting bonuses, the whole thing was defined as how well we are doing in test scores. And, you know, anything that's lopsided to that extent has got to be a little bit messed up. And if, But 
If that's the only way they're judged, then you can't change the system. If you can come along and then hit them in the sweet spot of this is where you're judged and we could do it for real, that would be a real thing that I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in. Because schools, as you know, I'm not telling you, schools are kind of fickle. It has a lot to do with the personality of the people that are running them. All right, so we're going to be quiet for just a second. We're going to run our last commercial. We'll be right back with Rene Jane. And if you want to go check, go to ReneeJane.com, R-E-N-E-E-J-A-I-N.com. Here we go. With iWowee, you've got a comprehensive video communication suite that will deliver more power, more impact, and more features than any other option. The iWowee video suite offers all these powerful tools and more. Multi-purpose video email for individualized one-to-one messages. Powerful video conferencing for collaborating many-to-many. Fast, efficient broadcasting for elegant one-to-many communications. There's no complicated separate products, no confusing monthly subscription plans, and no special hardware to buy. If you've got a webcam and internet access, you have all the tools you need to strengthen relationships, expand any business, touch lives, and change the world. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience and like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio and now back to the show all right welcome back this is peter mingles i am not here with my co-host dawn right the bronx because she's traveling to wakarusa whatever that is her her music event she has a little booth over there as well as where she sells her electro fur and does a whole bunch of cool stuff with making memories with her family and she won't be here tonight and she won't be here tomorrow because she's in Wakarusa again and I won't be here because I'm attending my daughter's graduation last one all finished with one chapter of her life moving on to the next one it's kind of really exciting time so I ain't missing that one if you will we won't be here on Thursday. We are here tonight finishing up with our guest, Rini Jane, who's talking to us about SEL, Social and Emotional Learning Program, that she's incorporating into different schools. So if you want to go to the site, you could take a look at it. My sales plug is figure out what you can buy from Rini Jane if you have kids or you have influence kids with kids or if you're interested in using this stuff with adults. I'm sure it translates just the same when it comes to coping skills and everything else as well. So you go to ReneeJane.com, R-E-N-E-E-J-A-I-N.com, and make a difference for a lot of people. All right, so Rene, so back to this whole SEL program. You're starting to incorporate it in the schools. You lay it out on the line, and you kind of tell people, listen, if the stuff works for you, that means you apply the stuff we're teaching because statistically speaking, the people that use this stuff, they have their test scores go up, so their level of implementation really is going to be key. Tell us more about the impact your training programs are having, and if I was a concerned parent with children, where would I go to find it or refer it to my school principals or the school board or whoever else? So I know I loaded right. it up there. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally fine. So you can, um, if you go to ReenieJane.com, you're going to find all my programs, but essentially there are two main programs for schools right now. One is the Go Strengths program, so that's G-O-S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-S, um, which is 
I actually find that word very difficult to spell. Um, but the Go Strengths program is at GoStrengths.com. And then there's the Go Zen program, which is G-O-Z-E-N. Uh, so that you can find the programs there. Um, the impact that we're having right now is we are in the data collection stage. So we're going to have statistics for you to say, you know, um, the programs do X percent this in terms of uh, test scores. Um, they, you know, they... They affect behavior. Um, they affect this and that. Um, right now what I have is I have a lot of feedback from teachers, from principals, and from students themselves and how it has affected their lives. We've gotten a lot of this has saved my life. Um, I'm using this every day. We have schools that have not only implemented the Go Strengths program into the curriculum, but they have also started school clubs around the program so that they can really embed it um, in different ways into their school life. Um, we also have a lot of um, districts who are adopting it for their guidance counselors and their psychologists that are on staff. And I'll tell you the reason why. Uh, the big reason is because we're taking a lot of the stuff um, that that works from a psychological standpoint and we're making it really engaging for kids by using fantasy and animation. And so this, the concepts and the skills are taught in a way that's really fun for them and it's fun for the teachers. And so the teachers are coming back and saying, listen, we don't have to force feed this to our kids, thank God, because they're really into it, you know. They like the cartoons, they like the animations, they like the alien concepts, so there's an alien and there's superpowers and, and things like that. And so um and so that's that's what's happening right now. That's the kind of feedback we're getting. Now you mentioned something in passing that I didn't want to let slide. You said okay. save their lives. I mean it's a you know, you could literally be the difference between a kid going into depression and hanging themselves doing pills or drugs or anything else like that. That's not like it's just a small thing. So, like, when you, it could make a big difference when you give people the support that they need. And a program like this might be the only coaching or training or support that they get. So that's a really big thing for a lot of people, like for me to just emphasize. Like, in a school full of those kids or a classroom full of those kids, when we said a little bit earlier, you know, you're like, oh, my kid will duke it out on the playground and kind of figure it out. Yeah, maybe a small percentage of them do that, but the majority of them kind of need some help and some loving and some coaching. I can guarantee you, or maybe you can tell me, out of a typical classroom, how many kids are really right there on the edge, like right there, that are on the edge yeah. towards – go ahead. Yeah, there's about – I mean, there are about I'm, – I'm sorry, what you're saying is make, it's like – wasn't planning on tearing up at all. Um, it just it really uh, it it's just moving me because there are about one in five kids in the classroom who are really suffering, you know. And the you know the reason that we put this program together is because I myself and my team we thought to ourselves, God, what would have helped us, you know, when we were children, you know, when we were that person in that classroom who just needed help but couldn't get it, you know, there was just, there was nothing available, or it was too stigmatizing, you know, to tell people that you needed help, or it was too expensive to get it, um, and so it is, there's a lot of kids suffering 
even though we might not see it, you know, in in a way that's really overt. Um, And so when we get feedback, when kids are saying, you know, this saved my life, and they really mean it, it's just just completely, I mean, it's the reason that we're doing this work. And I don't know that much about kids, so I'm going to take over for a second as you're tearing up. Because it's it's enough to do it. I'm a I'm a softie when it comes to this sort of stuff, especially in regard to people that need help and kids. I it, you know I cry in the Hallmark aisle, you know, as I'm reading <laughs> Father's Day cards. But the but yeah, I'm like a real softie there. My mom gave us all a gene where we can cry emotionally on a a flop of a dime. And like give me a like a progressive commercial, I could be tearing up. But the scenario. <laughs> But the scenario is is that I can bet you, and there may not be any research behind this, but almost all of those kids go through something that could be major somewhere during the course of the year. So mm-hmm. I would almost say 100% of the classroom needs that coaching and that programming and this stuff, not just the one who's got the perceived problem. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as just someone, because, mm-hmm. you know, a grandfather dies, a dad loses his job, Something happens, the dog gets hit by a car, any of those things, 100% of the kids in that classroom need these coping and these skills, not just the ones who are the obvious ones, if you will. There is so much stuff going on, I know, in the classrooms of the towns that I've worked in before. And I've worked in classrooms in Chicago when we were selling books and encyclopedias. You could just look in their eyes and you say, there's some issues all of all, and and that's forget about the recession, and forget about like in Florida where a lot of people are struggling as far as uh, homes and food stamps and employment and all that sort of stuff. It's all over the place, and especially in the markets that you're working in right now in New York City. Oh my gosh, is that a tough place to be a kid? It absolutely is, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, if you're not, if a child is not going through something right now. Um, it is inevitable that they are going to face an obstacle, of course, in their life, you know, or and most likely many, 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 many obstacles like we all do. Right. And um, and so these are the skills that stay with you for life. These are the, right. you know, the techniques that you can use at any point because, again, Peter, as you mentioned, it's the same it's the same set of skills that you can use for a kid, that you can use for an adult, that we can use into, you know, and all through the dash, right? Right, absolutely. These life skills that you learn in the beginning, man, it's so much easier to learn them early on than to have to learn them a little bit later on. I take a look at some of the things that my daughter and her friends do who who are the natural leaders. They are the challenge. They get challenged with, oh, my, uh, you know, my, my, my friend at school is doing this or my friend at school is doing that. And then they are the ones that have to actually, like, fix stuff. And we might as well teach the kids that are fixing stuff inside their own classes the skills that they need. To do it any other way would just be in, you know, just in, incredibly not as efficient as if you had something as easy, as fun as the stuff that you developed. So I know it's going to make a big impact. All right, so I don't want to hog the rest of the conversation. What else do you have for us? If I was a concerned parent, I'd go to the Ghost Strengths and I could find the parent programs. So it's ghoststraints.com. If I'm in education or a concerned parent or a homeschooler, I guess this would hurt both with homeschooling, you know, moms and dads as well, I could use this stuff. And Absolutely. I've been looking through the animations and watching the movies. They are really cool. So <laughs> they are you. really cool. And well, I'm cool. a big kid, 
so those appeal to me as well. But, yeah, we have programs essentially for schools. So we have programs that have um, teacher training built into them. They have lesson plans. They have modules for both teachers so that they can learn the material themselves and integrate it into their own life, and for parents and for students. So it's a really holistic program because we understand that, you know, this stuff, um, it takes a village, right, to to raise any child. And so you really need to have that information um, and support around you. And then there is the Go Zen program, which really focuses more on anxiety, uh, childhood anxiety issues. Um, But they're both really, really focused on giving kids those core resilience skills and, and happiness skills. What kind of those issues do the kids have today? You said, you know, some of the issues. What are some of the issues that are prevalent? I would imagine, you know, besides... There's a lot of, um, you know, so so some of the obvious issues are uh, test pressure, right? So that's a a huge one. Um, Social pressure has always been there, like, throughout time. Um, Who am I? Um, How do I fit in? Uh, how do I interact? Um, and but we're really seeing um, anxiety levels uh, rising dramatically um, to the point where you know I can't uh, divulge which um, school this was, but there was a there's a portion of schools in New York City that were sending out letters um, to parents of kids of third graders, and it was a and it's a four page letter that describes how some of these third graders are literally getting sick in the hallways and what they are exhibiting is anxiety and these are the steps that they need to take. Now you know it's a really horrifying thing when you're, you know, when anywhere between a 6 and a 12 year old are, you know, getting these letters, they're throwing up because they have to take tests, you know. They're that anxious. Um and so it's just it's absolutely uh it's an epidemic. I mean, it's a rampant problem. Um you know, and and so there are, there are lots of sort of these complex issues, and of course there's the bullying issue um, that has been in existence, but just is now coming to the forefront. Right, uh, and now with social media and all the different avenues, I mean, kids can. I, first of all, you know, they even have the term the haters. You know, mm-hmm. I'm always somewhat perplexed on human nature when you go and look at a comment of something. Why the people that are pathetic are the ones that write those hateful things? Sometimes it's kind of like you know. Why could, you know, you would never say that to my face. Why in the world would anybody ever print or type or anything like that? But that seems to be the culture, if you will, or whatever it might be online. And with the kids, it's got to be even worse because they don't have any filters to kind of say, no, this is inappropriate. They don't know these things sometimes. So for a young gal or young guy, I mean, geez, there's so much social pressure online to be cool, you know, or to fit in. And forget about it if you have a sexual preference that's a little bit different or if you're a little bit overweight or maybe did something wrong or who knows. There's a lot of pressure being a kid today because there's it's so a lot of Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. This, it's a lot of pressure, but I think there's also a lot of hope. Um, and the beauty of teaching kids is that they are incredibly hopeful and incredibly optimistic. And, you know, no matter how many times they've sort of gone through the trenches, they're like, okay, you're giving me something that's going to help me. I'm going to try it. And I really found it's been a difference in working with kids and adults, although I love to work with adults as well, is kids are not afraid to try things. And they are really hopeful that this thing that they're going to try is going to help their life. Um, They're just beautiful, beautiful little people, and uh, they're, they're very hopeful, and these skills... They can learn them. That's that's the awesome thing, and they use them, you know. Excellent. 
Excellent. Yeah. Okay, we are winding down. I want to have you back, but we are winding down with Rene Jane, R-E-E-J-A-I-N.com. And we're coming down where i got to say goodbye. Thanks for being here, Rene. Love the work you do. We'll keep in touch. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Come on, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. At The Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows, click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404, and don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon.